ignore all our advice, and after many years of not getting a red, you get sent off. It's That's So MLS. <laughs> with myself. It, with myself. <laughs> and joining me is my host, as ever, Andrew Bates. Andrew, how are you doing? Nick, it's great to hear from you. Um, the I'm doing great. I uh, I went I down to the how to introduce myself. <laughs> I went I went down to the uh, to the Sons of Florida. I I came back, um, started writing again. It was uh, awesome. It was uh, it came back in, in in switch roles from from being an editor to being a reporter, which was a which is a it, which has been fun. Um, but it was mm-hmm. definitely so def- definitely had some nice vacation time. Um, been writing a lot, so that's good. I got to see a game. You got to see a game, which was really good. Uh, out here in St. John, or, or out here, I uh, I did not. We flew into Orlando for our trip um, before Orlando Montreal, or after Orlando Montreal had taken place. But luckily, the Orlando Pride had a preseason game, so um, I got to see Heck that. Yeah, which was nice. great. And uh, you had a little brush with fame at that game, no? Against Kansas City, yes. So it was against Kansas City, um, and after the game. Uh, all of the players, it was a, like, you know, it's a preseason game. So you get a, um, you know, a, a, a peppering of a turnout and, and folks are, are hung out at the, the side of the, the, the field. And, and a lot of the players were really generous with their time and, um, for kids and everything. And, and I had my eyes out. Aaron McLeod, the Canadian national team. I had a uh, I had a Voyagers scarf. I was like, I can't. I came yeah. down from New Brunswick to see this, and she's like, my people. Yeah, so, took a selfie with me. So that's great. What a hero! I would. I really uh, enjoyed that. Um, it was great to get that the meet and greet in. The game was great. You know, anytime you could see um, Aaron McLeod live, anytime that you could see Marta live. It's a great, uh, yeah. it's a great experience. Cindy Larue played in that game. Um, what was it like being in that stadium? That's what, it's what stadium. So I really liked it. Um, I th- the 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 yeah. especially on the first floor, like all the the amenities are great. Um, somebody handed me a season ticket holder box when I walked in, which is apparently um, <laughs> from sure. last year that they had uh, they had uh, stocked up. Um, I think I didn't expect it to be so tall. I think because I'd seen I've seen a lot of it. Not only is it you know the home t- the home team mm-hmm. for um, the Orlando Pride in Orlando City SC, um, Explorer Stadium is also where like a lot of national team games happen and where um, for sure yeah we we do see a lot where Toronto played its home games in in the in the weird COVID um, interregnum. That's right. I forgot it was Toronto for. Um, so I thought of it as being a fairly closed in space but um but it the the stands the especially like the end stands and, and especially that far end stand that doesn't have a, a second tier above it um stretches mm. up really high like they do a good job of verticality in order to get everybody feeling yeah. pretty close to the pitch so nice. i thought that was great everybody was great the the um the pride fans were great. And it was like, there was a, a group of, you know, this is always, I think going to be the case at, you know, preseason and, and everywhere. But there was a group of fans that were like, like a group of kids that for the, the last 40 minutes just were like the, the, 
at least in my half of the the sideline. It was all basically just one sideline. Um, in my half yeah. of the sideline, just like one of the most enthusiastic six to eight person supporters groups I've ever heard in my life. They were the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love it. Small absolutely going for it. Um, the other funny things thing is that both of them, came, both teams came out with uh, um, dark jerseys with contrast sleeves in slightly different shades. And then after the first like 15 minutes, uh, the away team came out wearing pennies <laughs> over top of the jersey because they're like, uh, we didn't think this one through, guys. That's why we call it pennies. <laughs> Sometimes the kink, kinks you got to work out are, are less apparent uh, or things you didn't it, think about. It was a, it was good. It was a, it was a zero zero game, and we then saw um, now that the NWSL Challenge Cup has begun in earnest. Um, we saw the, uh, we saw the pride come out and. And, and have another zero zero game um, against Washington. Um, that was that was fun. I also got to catch a little bit of uh, the Reigns one one draw with Portland at Lumen Field with the Christine Sinclair equalizer. Yeah. Right so that's uh, it's fun to see them back. I'm still, of course, you know, I've I've followed a lot of Portland um, Thorns because Christine Sinclair I will always yeah. show up for. Um, I'm interested to see what's going on with the the pride. If if for no other reason than I was there, yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll keep an eye on the team that the team this season. For sure, you know. I think you always when you go to see uh, another team or you're in another stadium, you you end up having sort of this weird like allegiance in your head to that team just because you've been there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what that's like. Well, it's good to have you back. Of course, uh, lots has happened since we last talked um, everywhere, but especially in MLS, we've got uh, four game weeks to kind of cover um, and a little bit of news as well. That's right. Well, it seems like, you know, for each week that we've been um, we've been looking at, the, the number one statistic that everyone has looked at is the win column for Canadian teams. <laughs> Which what win column? <laughs> it's a very it's a very small column. Toronto <laughs> has like one wafer thin mint of a win and is having to like sort of break a little piece off for all of us to share. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not been great through the opening weeks. Um, of course, as we record or just before, well, we're recording this just before the Canadian men's national team squares off with Costa Rica. So. Hopefully, God willing, knocking on all of the wood, uh, by the time you're hearing this, Canadian men's national team is qualified for the World Cup. But wow, what a what a just a we'll let them take care of that. It's it feels. I hope you can appreciate as you're hearing my voice right now. I don't yet know the fate. Do you know? Do you think? Okay, so here's the question. Here's the question. Would you call it the first time since 1986, or since 1985, since we qualified for the first time? We qualified in 1985. For the '86 World Cup. So if we, if we, if we do it, is it the first time since 1985 that we've qualified? I, I mean, I guess so. Or is that overthinking it? I think it's probably overthinking. It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that even if we had done it more recently, this would it wouldn't take anything out of the momentum of this just by you know the this squad and the depth of it and the, oh, yeah. the storylines for all the players that have have come through this, especially as we've had to see. 
Canada rely on its depth of squad with uh, Alfonso Davies out, who will still be missing this game, but we are grateful to hear has resumed some training and the, the heart issue seems to be, I think, more or less behind him. It's unfortunate he won't be in this game, but um, we do hear that Herdman's trying to get him in and around the team. Um, so I don't know what, what became of that, but anyway... This is kind of like a festival atmosphere in a, in a way, as we've discussed, like just so rarely surrounds the Canadian men's national team that, you know, we've we've talked about like just how strange it feels to, to be in this position. Um, with yeah. So with, you know, with the with the clock running down um, to the point where, you know, when we qualified in 1980 in, in 1985 for 1986, yeah. um, <laughs> the uh like it was the very last game came down to the last game in in St. John's Newfoundland and everything uh or was it the, yeah 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 everything everything comes so much for the Canadian men's national team it seems to come down to the wire mm-hmm. and and to be in this position where where not only um not only is the team set to qualify, but to set to qualify comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's we exciting. are not in a position right now where we like have to win this game. I mean, the athletic despite this, how we all feel internally, <laughs> the athletic put out this amazing like maze of a flowchart. Did you see this? I didn't. No, <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. It looks like a it looks like a board game, um, and it's like <laughs> it's tremendous. I'll just I'm. Just, just to get your reaction to it. Okay. Let me see. I just want you to look at it and give me your, um, give me your initial. Where'd it go? I'm ready. Your, your initial feelings on on how you feel about this. Uh, look at that! Look at that chart. It's loading. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, it does. It does look a bit like um, some sort of fourth dimensional Monopoly game. This is uh, Time Cube. This is Time Cube. Wow. <laughs> I'm not even sure what I'm looking at anymore, but yeah, it's it's, uh, it's certainly exciting. It's certainly fun. As I said, I don't want to say too much about it because I'm I'm feeling the the pregame jitters a little bit. Um, we could talk yeah, about it soon. We could talk about it. We could talk about it. Yeah, we want to talk window. about it when it's when we're in. and We're just giving you the. We're just replaying the highlights. Um, any other news through MLS that we really want to cover before we dive into our, our plan here? Well, there was that. Um, well, we were yeah. We wanted to sort of like you know walk through this this Canada thing. Uh, there had been, um, Dax McCarty got a, a suspension for violent conduct. Yeah. Not, not a thing that happens too often to old Dax, but, uh, sort of a, a weird kick out. Um, and then some more frustration. He got a red card and then he got suspended for another game and just, um, given a fine. He did also release a video where even before the additional punishment, he'd said, you know, I apologize to the player and... I lost my head. Whatever I thought I was trying to do, I obviously didn't do it. So I, th- I thought it was. A, it felt like a genuine apology for it. It also felt a little bit like 
because of his reputation, he had to make it. But, like, lots of players get far more egregious reds and don't say shit. So yeah. it's a, a nice gesture. I'm glad that he, he apologized to the player. But, um, yeah, sort of uh, in proof that the season has had a bit of everything so far, Dax McCarty red card plus extra suspension isn't exactly the thing you would have put money on. Um, Charlotte got their got a they had that that first game with so many people present and they got their first ever MLS win. That's well. true. Yeah, they lost spectacularly in their opening match and then of course they they did they have got a win against New England no less. So um, I, yeah, I think so far what I've seen of Charlotte I've I've liked. Um, it definitely seems to be missing some pieces, but uh, clearly a competitive side. Is this? <laughs> Jesus Ferreira scored three times in ten minutes against uh, Portland. Yeah, Portland has had a, a strange start to the season. Um, but yeah, that that was a, a hell of a game. So, I don't know. It should be an interesting season for Charlotte. I imagine probably a little bit of up and down. But um, Well, that was that was for Dallas, I think. Oh, for Dallas. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus Ferreira. Right. Dallas. And the other, and the other one that I saw, just because it, it had crossed my mind, for, for the CCL, we had... Um, we had uh, Seattle advanced, uh, the most notable one. What happens to you? You're in Mexico. You're away in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Not, they won't be, they're not the first, and they certainly won't be the last. Uh, Communication has got a 4-2 home win at, uh, against New York City, but uh, NYCFC advanced on away goals, which still count in this Champions League. Right. Um, and Montreal... Uh, Soon to be expiring away goals. Montreal lost on on aggregate, but drew at home at at uh, at the Big O against Cruz Azul in um, in CCL action. Mm-hmm. Oh, also the Canadian Premier League put out their jerseys, and most of them are good. Um, but they also That's had true. the the discourse in Halifax fan circles was that they had um, letters that had a. Uh, like sort of a line through all the letters because they're trying to have this retro look um, about like three quarters of the way through the top of the letter. And they're like, it represents the, the 49th parallel, which goes through all the Canadian provinces in Nova Scotia in New Brunswick fans in PEI fans says it. What? <laughs> well, technically Vancouver Island as well, right? Right, does Vancouver Island not uh, touch the 49th? Well, no, I don't think so. Because it it drops down around the Gulf Islands and through the the dippy doo bit as it's geographically the known. The dippy doo bit. Anyway, the po- the point <laughs> is it was it's an over re- it's probably an overthinking idea anyway and also factually incorrect. I think it's one of those things where it's like uh this is this really points to um we have this this burning need in branding documents to define every single facet of it. When like I think the most important reason for there to be a line is it looks cool. It looks cool. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean if you're gonna do that, I would like an artist statement that's like the thin line through the lettering represents the futility of life and the Sisyphean tasks that face us all. You know? That would be more a white caps thing, I think. <laughs> anyway, as we said off the top, the Canadian we're gonna tackle these these four weeks to to catch up a little bit, mostly through the lens of the Canadian MLS teams, but of course you're gonna hear about the clubs that they played. Um through four games, 
it's not been amazing for the Canadian clubs. Uh, Toronto sits the highest at 11th in the East. Montreal is 13th, also in the East, of course. A whole three points. Yeah, a whole three points, and the Whitecaps are, that's right, dead last in the West, including behind San Jose Earthquakes. So things are going well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what what we... what we thought we would do is kind of appro- approach the games, but also sort of ask for ask each other a bit about like what's the diagnosis. We've seen four games of these teams. What needs to change, or or what do we like? All right, who do you want to start with? Um, do we want to just go chronologically, start at the beginning, and talk about this not so great to start to the season from the Vancouver Whitecaps? Let's talk about the Whitecaps. Well, I, I want to go. I want to go team. Let's talk. Let's, team let's by tackle team, team yeah, by team. Yeah. But yes, um, the Whitecaps definitely have had a rough go of it. When I think that that uh, before January everything looked like it was going real good, then you know we have this 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 you know LAFC just had a great match with Maxime Crepeau in 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 net. I'm sure they're glad they tapped him up. I mean, signed him. I mean, signed him. <laughs> There was like an LA, yeah. there's like a LA Times article where it, it doesn't quote him as saying it, but it just said, and Crepeau left Vancouver because he was unhappy that they have fired their previous coach. And I'm like, oh, is that the story now? Yeah, I feel like that story has taken a, a few different turns. And I mean, and to be honest, like if Crepeau wanted to follow MDS to LAFC, that's fine. We got top dollar for him. I don't feel any huge resentment towards him. Um, and also, like the Whitecaps benefit from that. I like. Now, I still like him, but I still. I felt sad. I feel sad about the situation, and I felt sad seeing him. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's weird as hell to see him in an LAFC jersey. Um, and we'll get to an interesting, more interesting LAFC Vancouver Whitecaps crossover fun. But but, but beyond in a, in a beyond that, that made that made like the big part. And this is. I've I've diverged somewhat in my in my assessment here in these first couple of games that like um a lot of these have been like draws like the NYCFC game you know obviously that had that had nothing to to do but I think that like the LAFC game and that game in Columbus that started things off were all situations that kind of got out of hand but it really shows and they're not necessarily Hassal's fault because a lot of them have defensive problems, including some of the ones from the LAFC game. Um, mm-hmm. But it showed how active um, Maxime Cropo was in organizing the defense, I feel. That's a hard thing I, to I replace. agree. It is. I, I totally agree. And I think that was very evident in the Columbus game. Um, Hassal just looked a little bit nervous and kind of n- out, out of sorts and has definitely steadied since then Then and had some amazing saves. And, like, you know, it's the first game of the season. You're playing a team like Columbus. They lose 4-0. It sucks, but it's not, like, a, it's not the worst thing that can happen in the world. Yes. Um, Columbus beats teams 4-0 sometimes. That's, that's part of doing business, I suppose. Um, but what I... What I think I've sort of seen from the the Whitecaps so far, and particularly in this game, is it is just sort of like the mistakes pile up and you're playing a team like Columbus that's going to punish you. And even just seeing the lineups for this, you've got Baldissimo lining up against Zellerayan. And I'm like, that. <laughs> I mean, 
we're setting ourselves up for failure there. Nothing against Baldissimo. I think he's a fantastic footballer. I don't think he's a starter in MLS right now, and I it's Lucas Zellerayan. Like, I, we should have our best, most experienced central defensive midfielder lining up there, um, and it didn't go so well. It's uh, that's maybe a more appropriate note about Baldissimo. Is like I don't think he's being deployed correctly. Um, positionally, it's not that he can't play a center defensive mid role, but he's not a physical guy. Um, he he gets bossed he, off the he, ball yeah. a lot by more just bigger, stronger players. And against a team like Columbus, I I just think like we had other options there. And the. Not that it's all on him. Like, just sort of pointing out the... I think maybe a bigger thread here would be the tactical deployment of this squad, I think, is a is a question mark for me. It's less about, can these players get the, the product done? And maybe more about which combination and which formation is going to get them back into the high-flying team that we saw for the late part of the um, And that is without, without being... Without trying to like you know be over dramatic, that's one of the questions that we had against mm-hmm. Vinny, about Benny Zartini when we first started uh, when 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 he was selected in the coaching uh, search was yeah was, and was, I mean I think we've seen work? him tinkering a little bit and, and trying different things out, which is absolutely totally okay, um, but does feel a little bit like you know there was that certain energy around having a new coach and having everyone having to perform at the end of the season and it just feels like whatever momentum we had at the end of last season is more or less completely gone and it's now going to be about doing the fundamental things right and I, I think there's it's fair to say that there's a number of games that we won towards the end of last season where we got a little lucky that the other team didn't play particularly well like we got our things right but the competition was maybe more fierce on paper than what we actually played against um it was a good result against new york city fc then we go to houston and just have a mare of a game <laughs> um despite uh <laughs> opening the scoring um and cavallini getting off the mark that Cav- that's one thing you could say so far is that i know that you know with brian white that's the other we i forgot to mention that but in ter- other than yeah. the like in terms of what what has gone so far this season different to how people expected it to is that we expected to have brian white and he he got injured in training yeah um so, but I think that, a, you know, a lot of people, in, and I would say that you're one of them, are, are, are what, like really looking to Cavallini to perform. And I wouldn't say that he's gone out and stole, um, stole the show in, the abs- in, in White's absence. But he, at least in these last two games, mm-hmm. you know, he, he got some points on the board. Yeah, and, and right at the point where I was sort of thinking like, okay, for opening two games... It's not been great, but that's not all on him. Houston, he gets the goal. I thought he had a pretty great game. Otherwise, I thought it was pretty diabolically bad from the Whitecaps. Um, also, Houston's good now, so that's an issue. That's unfortunate. You know, like, that's the, <laughs> really that, that, second, that second goal from Quintero, it's like, well, what can you do? Throw your... Yeah. <laughs> just throw your hands in the air and be like, ah. Uh. Yeah. And then in the... The so good. The route, that was 
you hate to admit that it was good. You hate to admit it was good. And 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 that's kind of how I feel about the LAFC match as well. The Whitecaps did not play well, but um, I thought Cavallini had another great game. He didn't get the goal, but I thought he he played an excellent um, right excellent shift there again. Put in all the hard work. Ultimate. It was great. You know, you again with the opening goal. It all of a sudden's like, oh, everything's going great. Tristan Blackwood scored. I'm returning to his home team stadium. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. And then Carlos Vela just unleashes two perfect corners, um, and then <laughs> which lead to goals. And it, it just it feels like kind of like the second phase of play for the Whitecaps. They really struggle with like they can deal with the initial ball in on a set piece, but then it's like it's going to spill to someone. And when that someone is an LAFC attacker, it usually doesn't go particularly well. Um, and again, I just, I felt yeah. like this was one where there was just so much space to get down the wings. Um, that being said, I don't, I haven't seen too many people defend well against Latif blessing. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we didn't play well. And also again, LAFC is going to do this to a lot of teams this season. I would say that that um, with that one, unfortunately with that first goal, I felt that Berhalter was, um, who otherwise I think he's done okay. Um, yeah. He is beat to the he's beat to the header by Hollingshead in a in a scenario where maybe like you would think that he probably should have gotten yeah. that one. But, and but that to me is also like I mean, Hollingshead is also nine thousand feet tall, and That's Berhalter. True. Is looks like a, a strong young lad, but is not nine thousand feet tall. Um, again, part of my argument for act, trying to sign some slightly taller players. Um, but overall, I I think that the the culprit again for the Whitecaps has just kind of been this this relatively weak defensive midfield that is turning the ball over, is not able to connect to. Um, the more advanced midfielders or the forwards, and it just feels kind of aimless from them. Like, it's not clear to me when I'm watching the Whitecaps what it is they're trying to do. At no point in the game do I really understand where they think a goal is going to come from, unless it's on a set piece, which we're mm. not particularly good at either. But I just, I it, you can sort of, which is maybe an issue that I can see exactly what they're trying to do on a set piece, because apparently their opponents do too. But for you, what's your diagnosis of the Whitecaps? Like, what's what needs to change? What 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 do you think is okay and shouldn't be meddled with? Okay, so the one thing that I will say about the LAFC performance is that I don't think they were awful at quieting the best players. Mm -hmm. We didn't see much from Brian Rodriguez here. Um, we saw something from Vela, but I do think that they tried to get in in Vela's business. Yeah more often than and, and succeeded more often than not even though he got the goal um but i agree with you that the just i don't know if it's the the leadership on that hollingshead goal it his volley from the top of the box just goes through four people some of whom are turned around already by the time that they mm -hmm. um they they see it and it's just the there's there's some stockiness lacking. Again, I wonder, you know, this is another game where Jungwirth starts on the bench. And it's like, we need, I think, and clearly I think it's because he's, he's thought of as the, as, as 
second in this three people at the back formation with Nerwinski. Um, and when when Nerwinski's here, he starts. Nerwinski got sent off in that first game. Youngberg starts. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the defense is good enough to do that. I think that that you need if you need him on the pitch, and if you can't get him on the pitch, you you have to have four of the back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm much more comfortable with a Gutierrez, Veselinovich, Youngworth, Nerwinski slash Javane Brown combo. Like that to me is a, a much more solid quality backline than just sort of this wing and a prayer three at the back model. <laughs> Again, I I get it because it's supposed to collapse into a back five, but watch any white caps highlight package and tell me when that effectively happens. <laughs> I think that that's the thing, and I would just want Berhal, like you said, Berhalter is a is a, is a good young lad. Um, I like Baldissimo. Um, what you're missing there, I think, is um, you know an experienced, bigger uh, person that can that can scrap and can uh, can control matters a little bit more. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the one last thing we should mention is Ryan Gold has also not really featured. Um, and and that's an issue not having our best player on the pitch for sure but i that's a, that's the other part of my big diagnosis is that gold and white have to be on the pitch together yeah yeah exactly and again that that's kind of what makes me uncomfortable and is bearing out in the evidence right now is that when you rely on all the pieces working exactly correctly to get your goals and to win games that's an issue because it, it, of course we will win games but looking at this and 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 seeing the way things have panned out, I'm like, this could maybe win you 10 or 11 games in a season, but that might not be enough. Well, <laughs> it might be, but, you know, probably not. That's probably still <laughs> still not enough to get it done. And and I think the Whitecaps need to have higher ambitions than that. So it, it for me, is less about, like, you know, is Baldissimo or Burhalter or any of the, the younger players good enough? It's just that... Like, they're good depth players, but when those are the options that have to start, I just feel like you look at most other lineups across the league, and I I just feel like their, their starting 11 is a lot stronger than what we've been putting out. Um, anyway, I think I agree with that diagnosis. Where do we want to go to next? Do we want to talk about Toronto or Montreal? You know, let's talk about a team that I've been... Uh... Well, oddly, I've been excited by Montreal, and you look at this this recent game with with Atlanta, and it's not hard to see why. But they have had they coming similar to the last season. They have had this uh, this strange um, unevenness to them, where I think they look great in a lot of their appearances, and but you know they had that four one to New York loss to New York City. Um, Philadelphia had a guy sent off and they still won. It was a it was a tough it's been a tough uh start for them. Yeah, yeah. The opener the opener in Orlando, um the game that you just missed. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like it, it things don't start off well. Um Kyoto was sent off for punching Jan- Jansen in the chest, which is a strange move, and he kind of knows it. <laughs> you see as soon as he like hits him, he's like, Whoa, and kind of drops his fists and it's just like a a weird bit of passage. Um, and yeah, there's spells in the game where I think Orla- uh, Montreal actually look okay. 
should we should say Orlando looked fantastic in this game and and were yeah. were there to play and seemed like they were having having fun and putting on a bit of a show. Um, a theme that I think emerges here is uh, there's Montreal picks up three yellow cards in the final eight minutes and. I, I'm not just trying to harp on a thing, but the disciplinary issues really seem to stack up for Montreal. And I think they've actually been kind of fortunate it hasn't bit them more. But to just, it just feels like they're always late to the play. And that's where the yellows are coming from because then you're having to lunge in and it feels like they're always defending from behind and trying to catch up with the run of play. And they're... You know, I think the attack is actually one thing that looks pretty good. <laughs> We've seen it work fairly effectively, as you said, in Montreal. But then it just feels like there's so many giveaways and there's so much, there's so many turnovers that they they really don't do themselves any favors. Um, yeah, the Philadelphia game, as you say, having Carenza sent off and they still <laughs> lose the game. It's also we got also got to say with the Orlando one. That was a rough second goal where we're where Montreal gets picked off while trying to play out of the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, and when we get to the diagnosis, I I think I have a an unlikely from me anyway source of some of their issues. Um, funny that they funny that they they those three cards as well that you mentioned um, come while it's ten and ten because. Orlando also had a guy sent off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They weren't even defending a man down at that point. Um, then they got smoked by New York City FC 4-1. I, you know, that's, for me, kind of maybe more forgivable, but four different goal scorers, it's just early concession again. 20 minutes in, they're 2-0 two, they're two down. Um, is that right? No, I'm thinking of a different game. Um, no, it, it, no, that's correct. Is it? Oh, Seven. Seventh minute, Callens. Twentieth uh, minute, Rodriguez. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, I am thinking of the right thing. Um, Brogiard gets on the board. That's nice. We we love a Zach Brogiard goal. Um, I originally kind of put in my notes here, like I just Breza, the Montreal goalkeeper, has looked kind of indecisive and maybe not liable on all goals. And then I finished watching the highlights again. And I was like, no, I think he's actually liable on all four goals. <laughs> like. Just really poor clearances. I don't think it's entirely his fault because nobody's showing for him. Um, Montreal's just really seemed to struggle out of the back. But, you know, in terms of a goalkeeper performance, Breza's just not really impressed this season for me. Um, And once there's that indecisiveness, I think so many things can break down defensively in a team. Um but just really bad giveaways, both from him and all of the defenders, I think, at some points. <laughs> um, and, and that's the thing with Montreal. is like they're a pretty good team, and when they're going forward, they can have amazing combinations, and clearly they're, they're stacked with talent. But defensively, it's like they shot themselves in the foot four times, four different times in almost exactly the same way. That was like, had you just not done that, four times you might have actually won this game <laughs> but of course that's not how soccer works after the after the, the in that's the the shooting in the foot thing after the after um you know taking the lead in in philadelphia and then philadelphia scoring twice in three minutes mm-hmm. um that's then you get to atlanta montreal where um like you watch the first half of this game 
And this looks like a team that goes deep in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Away in Atlanta, full rocking stadium. And at one point, they're up 3-1. Before halftime. Before halftime. Yeah. And 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 Joseph scores first. And in and on six minutes, another game with the early the early concession, but this time they respond much much better and much faster. And just before the end of the second half, Dom Dwyer is also sent off for a high studs up tackle on Montreal. Um Montreal also scored a penalty as well. Like everything about this screamed big road points. Um then I have a stat for you <laughs> to sum up Montreal's season so far through four games. 14 yellow cards. Oof. Now, I should say, when I looked this up and I just stumbled across this stat, there's like three other teams that have 13. So Montreal's not totally isolated in this, but 14's a Like, that's a lot of yellow cards per game. For four games. For, or, or per... Per game or that, four through four games. That's true. It's too, that's true. It's too many. Um, what's what's our diagnosis for Montreal here? Um, it sounds like discipline. Yeah, is is a big part of it because because both defensively and, and in terms of um, the referees' scorecard because you can't look. You know they're down. I know I know Atlanta's at home and Atlanta is dangerous. That. You know, um, Alma, Diego Almada Uh-oh, gets time. Alone. Oh no! I know that. Uh, Come back! How's... Can Uh-oh. you hear me now? Hello. Hello. Yo! Oh, it's the internet. I just got a notification that popped up that said your internet is unstable. I hope it wasn't me. Was it me? There you are. Is that you or me? I don't know. Oh, now I lost you again. Back. Hmm. Back. Sort of back. Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Okay. All right. I'm just writing down the timestamp here. Ready for me to re- retake my point? Ready for reentry? I think it's just discipline, both both in terms of like the defensive side of things and the fact that, and on the referees' scorecard. The fact that you know they they like you said, big road points should have been in in the works here. I know that that. Uh, the the Diego Almada goal for for three two, is a little unpredict is is a little hard to predict or stop. Although I think he got a fair amount of room to maneuver there uh, mm-hmm. to to pull it off. Um, but part of that was making room for himself. But the Brooks Lennon free kick on ninety plus two, yeah, from relatively far out. Um, yeah. The that's one of those tentative things I think you're you're talking about with Brezza where yeah um just sort of uh I think the, the commentator has noted that maybe he was trying to go left and then realized too late that it was time to go right he gets his hand on it but it's not enough to punch out it's like that shouldn't have been a situation they got themselves into 
<laughs> that shouldn't be, have been a situation. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, like Montreal continues to be Montreal's own worst enemy, and I think the truest thing about discipline, as you said, is really about they're just very passive defensively. They're slow to react. Um, they're they're not putting pressure on the right players. It seems that they've got at times three players swarmed around someone that's really not a threat, while leaving a ton of other players open. It, it could just be a whole lot better in that regard. And um, it's really hard to win games when you're just not alive defensively and not reacting to the threat. <laughs> that being said, I think it's fair to say they've had some very stiff competition to start the season. So maybe it's not completely indicative of their season, but it's not great so far. And they've had those good games in... Against Mexico in, in CCL. you got to count that. Too. Yeah, it's true. Of course. They've, they have been good in CCL. Um, you know, we, we now, I guess, look to the, to the, uh, to the one of the three kids <laughs> who, who, who got some points. It's like the, the adequate, the bad and the ugly. We're moving to the adequate, which is the <laughs> Toronto FC is the lone Canadian team that's managed to scrape three points out of any result. Um, you know, in a decent home opener against a very good Dallas side, I thought this was actually a really one of the better games from the opening weekend. Um, both kind of exchanged moments of controlling the match. There's just so much speed on Dallas right now. I mean, they've always been a fast side, but now they've got Areola, just incredibly dangerous down the wings. I thought Toronto... Um, defended quite well azorio got a goal late to uh, to salvage a point so you know all things being equal I, I thought this was actually a not not too bad start to the season yeah i think that that's fair obreon i love i'm i've really been enjoying obreon um yeah, yeah he yeah. had a good he had a good goal there um on nine minutes to open it all up but the what you are asking for is is tenacity and in, in staying in games and with Osorio getting the the goal before halftime and then being able to hang on through the the second half um away in the western conference not too not too bad of a performance at all no that's actually Oops. a good point i sort of forgot that uh like i mean obviously toronto doesn't play dallas a lot either so well done for doing their homework however this is something you're hearing a lot when you're seeing East-West matchups is that it's like, you know, um, when Vancouver played Columbus, it's like it's Vancouver's first time playing Columbus in like three years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is important context, I think. It's it's not everything, but it does matter a little bit. However, then game week two, Toronto heads to New York. To New York and... Um, a team they should be fairly familiar with and uh, didn't go so well. It didn't go so well early, which is really um, unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it didn't yeah. go well early. That's... Lewis Morgan with the two goals in uh, 25 minutes to start things off. Not so uh, so good. Um, Jesus Jimenez scores to make it 2-1, but then Morgan gets his hat trick. Yeah, and just another bad mistake from TFC way up the pitch. Um, allows two Red Bulls to run through. Um, and Lewis Morgan, who's the one who sort of receives the ball, has a guy open the whole way and is still able to score it himself. Um, and then Aaron Long 
does the the real damage by smashing one in off a free kick, um, heading it in. So, or sorry, heading into the the half, it's four one and it stays that way. So really, no fight back from Toronto. I mean, this is one for me that I feel like the wheels just come off the cart so quickly that them riding the ship was keeping it at 4-1. Um, so I guess, is that <laughs> is that a positive takeaway? Probably my, um, Bob Bradley didn't see I don't it know that, that I give them. I don't know that I give them that much credit. No, it's reaching a bit. I mean, I will say this. I, I like that Toronto has these younger players coming through who, who really are some exciting talents. Uh, Marshall Rudy is, he's just got so much going for him. I think his marking has been a little bit suspect, but that's true of every TFC player right now. So uh, that for me is exciting is that the youth at Toronto continue to excite um, and perform. I think there maybe needs to be a little bit more link between those players and, and the rest of the team. Um, after Red Bulls, where do they head to? What happens? Columbus. They lose in Columbus. Not quite as bad as the Whitecaps. Um, and they get the first goal at lower.com field. But again, uh, Lucas Elrayan uh, ties it up. And Derek Etienne uh, gets the winner. Yeah. Um, this, for me, was the game that Pozuelo sort of clicked on a little bit more and, and looked a bit more <laughs> attack-minded and just aware of what needed to be done. But I do feel like he's still a player that you get, like, a good 45, maybe 60 minutes out of him, and then he just sort of slowly trails off until, like, you don't hear his name for the rest of the match, even though he's still on the pitch. Yeah, that's been uh, that's been interesting how he's worked in. Um, I got a little bit better of a look at the LAFC Vancouver or the LA or not. No, I'm sorry. What am I looking at here? The most, the most recent game, um, the DC, game. DC. And I thought he looked better than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. It's interesting that like, you know, this is a, this was supposed to be a season where, you know, the focus is going to be on, you know, Insigne was kind of the mid, the pitch. And then it's like, Actually, we're just we're 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 back on this, you know, everything relying on Pozuelo uh, storyline point. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, the DC game. It's a good win. <laughs> it took until game week four to get a Canadian MLS club to win. Um, but I I think it's just with TFC, it feels a little bit more like it hasn't been a strong start, but you can kind of see the wheels turning and you're sort of like, okay, but I, I get, I understand what they're trying to do. I, I have a little bit more sense of there is a plan and it's maybe just not come off in the first three weeks. Um, yeah. Lucas McNaughton and Caden Chung have been excellent two former white caps and two former um, Pacific FC players, or at least Caden. Yeah. Chung thrilled to see that McNaughton as well. Anyway, um, again, the young talent coming through. Uh, Pozuelo gets his goal from a really well-worked corner. Um, that's After Knaus scored on 10 minutes. That's right. Another uh, Knaus gets the goal for DC. Um, Michael Bradley, I thought, had a better game as well in this one. Um, again, looking just a little bit lost in the first three games and not always quite sure of how he was trying to be deployed, but... You know, I feel like DC fought in this one, too. I think DC United is another team that's improved quite a bit over last season. Um, they kept the pressure on, and certainly they had their chances. 
to me though, like the cheekiest goal of the week, maybe slash the season so far is this game winner from Osorio, which comes in from another <laughs> great delivery from Petrasso. And he's, Azario's just running in from the far post. There are two DC defenders. Maybe Bill Hamid could have done a little bit better here, but I just don't <laughs> think you expect a player to score from this angle. But just like on a wing and a prayer and sheer force of will, Azorio gets there and smashes it in to win the game. There was a header. I'm trying to remember who had this header uh, earlier where it's like definitely one of those ones where you have to like... Um, basically like get into a full squat to get the header going yeah and that kind of feels like like this for the the far post shot that osorio hits where it's like he's sort of like launching himself in a full roundhouse kick style scenario yeah like it- to try and get his foot that's the reason why he means not in position is because three seconds before the goal is scored osorio is like on the other side of the 22. Yeah, and and there are two defenders covering as well, so you sort of think they'll get there. But they sort of are baffled by his speed and ability as well, and take nothing away from Rosario, but like you say, he really does just sort of throw his whole self at it um, and just hits it on a dime. It was a really, really beautiful goal. I, you know, the, the future looks fairly decent for Toronto, but how do you how do you diagnose Toronto at this point i think that um you know this is the that all eyes are on bob bradley a certain a, a certain amount because of his you know coaching um his his coach the 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 influence he's supposed to have as a coach mm-hmm. and i think that this is definitely a different assignment than say you know an lafc that had a lot of pieces to start with yeah where now he's he's arrived to you know implement his game plan and a lot of the players that are here are young players, and a lot of the players, the the players that he's supposed to have to be able to, you know, make this turnaround aren't here. So I think that if you if you look at it as like you know if you try to, to gauge it as are they generally tightening tightening up, I'd say they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say they're showing signs of improvement. I'd say things are there are thing definitely things that are loose, but. It's what we have here is a lot of turnover. Like you said, two former, you know, Campiel. You have, you know, you have Michael Bradley playing alongside like players that just came up from Campiel. Yeah. And it's like the, um, everyone is getting integrated right now, but some of, at least some of the things that they're trying to do are working. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I, th- I think that they've... I, g- I guess, again, I kind of just go back to this. Like, It just seems like they have a bit more of a game plan, an idea of what they're trying to do as a club. And as you say, there's some gaps. Like, They've got a lot of young players, and they've got a lot of older players. They don't have a lot of kind of in-between players who, who wouldn't just <laughs> fill that gap in terms of age, but experience, right? Like, And what I mean is that... It's, an, it's a lot to ask for even a player as experienced as Bradley to lead uh, a team where you have four, five, six players sometimes that are under 23. Um, in some cases, by a lot of years. There, there's just certain things about reading a game that they're not always going to see. And 
I just feel like you need a little bit more experience at times to really grind out MLS games, as we talk about all the time. Um, but overall, yeah, the, I think there are a lot of the right pieces there. Um, but it's it's certainly yeah, not been great either. Like, we're also really <laughs> reaching here for some positives. They've only won one game, but they've also conceded the fewest goals of the Canadian teams. Um, and they've also... Uh, well, the, both Montreal and Toronto have scored five goals each, but they've conceded fewer overall. They clearly looked the best Canadian side, and you'd certainly think their latest win seems like a signal going forward that they'll be, be able to grind out more victories. In in contrast to Vancouver, which I think even for a side that's looking to build is missing like a key piece that can help, you know, um, add the starch. Yeah. Um, I would say we have young players in Toronto, but I mean they're obviously missing the player that will will hopefully define their season. Um, but I think that this this version of Toronto is not an unbalanced team. Like mm-hmm. I think that 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 I'm I look at what they've done so far, and I look at this lineup, and I'm I'm confident in I'm I'm content to let them cook. You know. Sure. That's my feeling. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm I maybe as as positive on them, but I I think that fundamentally you are still correct. <laughs> like, I I don't think there's so much more that needs to shift to get them performing really well. Is the the squad in their current side, uh, in their current form rather, a playoff team? Yeah, maybe not. But <laughs> they have a rather big enforcement coming in July, so w- they could get there. Um, is there anything else we've 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 given our um, uh, we've given our takes on the Canadian teams? Um, before we wander off here, is there anything so far that's happened in these uh, these past four weeks that have has surprised you or that you have uh, you have been heartened by? Um, well, tell you what, FC Cincinnati has two wins, so that's that's a something. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have. I definitely wouldn't have put them that close to the playoff line. Yeah, I don't know for how long they'll be there, but um, I've been pleasantly surprised by them a couple of times. I think the big thing for me, the thing that maybe I'm keeping my eye on, is if you open up the Western Conference table right now and you look at it, and if you've seen anything of any of the teams, this is a Whitecaps comment, by the way, every single team above us I think is better. And, <laughs> and that's all of them. That's yeah, um, and that's going to be a really big problem because if you look at the teams that are, and I know it's a long season, there's lots to go. But if you look at the top seven right now in the West, a lot of those teams are not teams that did particularly well last year, and they're teams that, we, uh, except for Colorado and LAFC, they're teams that you would expect we could normally knock some points off of. But it's going to take more than luck and every single thing going right for us to get above the playoff season, uh, playoff line this season. Um, Houston's much improved. Um, Nashville's been struggling, but I still think they're, they're going to nail that down and be great. Kansas city has been struggling, but I just feel like it's going to be very, very hard for us to climb up the table this season. And in the, in that's true of everybody in the West, it's, I think it's going to be really tight. I think it's going to be a very competitive season for both um, 
conferences, but I think the last couple of years we maybe saw the balance of power, if that matters, um, sway a little bit towards the East. And I think the Western Conference teams have really noticed and really done a lot to improve. And so, yeah, it's just, I think it's going to be a tight one this season. I think where we might have in the the past been like, ah, Houston, yeah, we can get some points out of them. Not just because we recently lost to them, but, you know, same with Galaxy. Those are not sure points anymore. Um, And if anything, you're looking at needings to to still um, field a very strong squad to get anything out of them. Surprised to see a slow start in New England. I'm happy to see uh, that things are going well for Chicago, who who have uh, waited a long time for some joy, and that uh, Columbus is 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 back after some challenging uh, a challenging year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and Philadelphia have been fun to watch too. Which uh, the one thing that I uh, we forgot to cover in news. Uh, goodbye to Ilsenio. Who has retired. That's right. Ilsenio, Skillsenio, as he was known in old Philadelphia, has decided to hang up the onion bag. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He can hang. He can hang that up. He can hang. He can hang whatever he wants to there. <laughs> the, the onion bag, his boots, the snakes, whatever, whatever they got there. Yeah. They're doing hanging up. Until next time, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Instagram and Twitter at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts um, as well as on other podcast platforms. And, of course, That's So MLS.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find you? You can find me online at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Beautiful. And until next time, don't, don't, do not get sent off but you can still apologize (laughs) if you have a great apology video we'll allow it (laughs) sorry dax